Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Take, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Hey there, welcome back to Liftoff by Bottle Rocket. I'm Tony Dosat. And I'm Peter Clayman. Today our guest, well, he made a decision. After over five years in corporate strategy at Virgin Money UK in London, he decided to launch StrategyY. And that was to provide independent guidance and advice to business leaders and founders across the world. He's also the founder and chief pencil officer, which I'm going to have to ask about, uh, at FinTech Review, where he writes about a range of topics around business, FinTech, and economics. So it's our pleasure to have on the show today, Mr. Tristan Pelu. Tristan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I've heard a lot of titles and, you know, a lot of different like C-suite titles and things like that in my life, but I've never heard of a chief pencil officer. Am I ignorant or is that something that is in um, sort of online media or, or in publishing? Uh, no, it's, it's just, you know, I, I, I found in my, my company and I thought I'm going to have a cool name and um, like, yeah, there are lots of C, um, CPOs and I was like, Oh Yeah. But uh, I'm going to throw everybody out uh, and I'm going to, oh, no, you know, I'm a chief pencil officer. Um, yeah, so I, I just made it up. I didn't want to call myself an editor-in-chief, so ah, okay. thought, I thought about something else. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a media, it's a media, so uh, chief pencil officer, because in the end I write a lot and... Uh, I am I am the ultimate pencil on on everything. So I love that. Okay, I just had to I had to get that covered first. You know, when you make mm. your own thing, you can call yourself whatever you want, and I really love that. One, yeah, one. I, I've done like Elon Musk. He's always giving himself super cool names. So yeah, why I not? I could do the same. Yeah. Uh, right. Go ahead, Peter. <laughs> well, I think you know today more than anything, I'd like to talk a bit about fintech, but it's probably good to just start in a place where people understand because fintech is a very broad category, right? There's a lot of fintech that the average consumer or individual who's not in the financial services business knows absolutely nothing about. So I don't want to talk about Swift or any of these types of things. I'd rather talk about like some of fintech has democratized access. So Robinhood is a great example. Robinhood definitely was one of the first like retail trading platforms that really pushed down fees now, people might say that was Fidelity. People could point towards Vanguard, right? But if we look at Robinhood, that really was the first to kind of see this retail punter, uh, for lack of a better word. And I mean, of course, everybody got really upset with meme stocks and things like this. But, you know, that probably misses the broader point. So, Tristan, when you kind of think about fintech, how do you describe fintech more broadly? And then how would you kind of describe some of the innovations that firms like Robinhood have brought to the market? I, I quite like the, the space of, of fintech in, in personal finance. So really the, the innovation and new technology that ultimately it benefits 
consumers. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Robin Hood, as you say, has, has lots of lots of negative stuff around it. But when you think more broadly, whatever really helps consumers and help them diversify, for instance, access investments that were not accessible before, because it was too costly. And and the 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 thing is, um, what technology can do is that you bring a lot of uh, a lot of investments to the masses because if you look back well you know a long time ago but not so long ago but you look 40 years ago what you would do you, you would have a guy that manages your money and that's why it was costly because you need to pay him um and then suddenly if you can do it uh, in an automated automated way um you can have access to lots of lots of different different things so it's an oversimplification, but at the end, what happens in the back is what happens for a lot of people with Robinhood you know, through an app is that you automate lots of stuff, and which means that you can access quite sophisticated investments or not. Uh, in the end, you buy an ETF on properties. It's, like, it's not sophisticated. I mean, the, 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 what it is is like how it's structured is sophisticated, but ultimately what you buy is is a building or or whatever or you buy you buy gold or so it's not it's not so sophisticated but helps a lot of people get exposure to different kinds of of assets and this is a kind of uh, innovation I quite like in 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 fintech when uh, when uh, it helps the average Joe invest invest in different stuff uh, things that as you say. If you were, if you're rich anyway, you have access to all this stuff. But uh, uh, what has happened is that um, now, with not so much money, you can build a very different diversified portfolio. Wasn't possible, you know. You you look maybe 20, 30 years ago. Twenty years ago, you could, but it was expensive. Thirty years ago, it wasn't possible. Now you can do it for cheap. You can have exposure to whatever you can buy, build a super nice portfolio. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Well, and, and the education around it as well, because even for myself speaking, like I, I wouldn't even know where to start if it weren't for some of these apps. Now, Robinhood, I do have, I don't know if I should say, if I have some issues with, but, um, you know they've had some shady, some issues with they've had some shady things happen. Oh no, we have outages. Um, <clears throat> well, and of course they just bought uh, Ziglu from the UK, right? UK um, crypto, mm. yeah, purchasing mm. platform or whatever it was. Yeah. So 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 what investments were historically too costly that now in fintech is enabling people to invest in? Um, so yeah, so everything that was private, so, uh, for instance, private equity, uh, so you look at crowdfunding platforms, so you can invest in, in basically in venture capital and uh, that wasn't possible before, uh, property. So it's, is another good example because before basically, oh yeah, you want to invest in real estate. Well, you know, buy a house buy a building okay cool but i don't have you know i don't have 10 20 30 000 to put on one thing 
so now you can buy an ETF that will give you exposure to lots of different real estate, commercial real estate, um, or um, or residential real estate. So this this has been uh, and then so I think it's good and bad. But now you can also buy uh, more complex products. So uh, kind of uh, futures on 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 commodities or structured products with equities. I think it's good that you are able to buy it. I don't think it's good that people buy it. Um, and the the problem is uh, you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to buy this leveraged product and it's great. You know, if it goes up, I make you know, 10 times my money. Um, but it it's gambling at the end of the day. Yeah. And, uh, so it's it's good that people can buy it. You know, they have the freedom to buy whatever they want. But actually, it's not good because, as you say, it goes back to the education. And you you tell someone, oh, you know, instead of buying this share or this, you know, instead of buying Tesla, why don't you buy buy a leverage option on Tesla? And you know, if it goes up, you make ten times the money. If it goes down, you lose your money. And it's kind of yeah, sure, but you know what? That you know, is a good point. I'm sorry to interrupt. That, that's a good point right there because a lot of the mindset is, and not that this is some financial show, but I'm going to buy the Tesla, okay? Because people- yeah, This does not constitute financial no, advice. Financial uh, advice. Nor are we registered financial advisors. God, if I gave you any financial advice- Any procurement that you hear from anybody here is purely <laughs> reflective of the current state of the fintech market <laughs> and representative to prove an example. Okay. Thank you, Tony. Back to you. Thanks so much. And if you were to listen to financial advice from me, I pity you. People buy the Tesla- because right now, and right now, when I say right now, I mean like forever. Because mm. you can see me buy it. And I can show you that I've bought it. And I take pride in it. And it's part of sort of a social currency. Mm. Because it's shared on social media. I tell my friends. I tell them about how awesome the huge 17-inch screen is, et cetera, et cetera. But if I invested that instead which actually the returns would be astronomical. No one can see that I did it until the day comes when I can retire early and buy all the Teslas I want. <sighs> anyway, that's, that's a whole different tangent. But I, what you said earlier uh, um, about access, I'm interested to see how these players are going to be entering the metaverse and what will be available to be purchased digitally through some of these players. I think that that is fast approaching. I think some companies are trying to enter like very quickly. So all the banks are already like uh, yeah. trying to trying to enter it uh, because the typical big corporation thing is uh, I'm going to miss out. So fear of missing out and the they, they enter, they, they enter whatever they can enter. So, you know, let, let's, uh, Let's see what it means, like uh, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a fixed idea yet on on what's possible and what's not possible in the metaverse. And you know, they're in the um, boardrooms, going, we gotta, we gotta do something. Because I've been there, man. I, I, when 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 blockchain really starts started. Uh, it was 2016 and, and people started panicking. Is like, oh, we're missing out on blockchain. We should do a proof of concept. And I was like, 
guys, what what are we talking about here? I don't know, but we need to do we need to do something. Something. Uh, something. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy, and you can see this these trends and and people panic and they think some some big change is coming and they want to do something and it's a lot to do with PR and uh, JP Morgan we've entered the metaverse what have you done I don't know man you ask me <laughs> I've done something I remember signing a check there was a I've PR thing about it they published it <laughs> you know, someone said I need to I need to write the quotes I remember doing this. Uh, so yeah, it was the same with blockchains in 16. Mm. And then at that point, a lot of banks started doing POCs about it. And, and in the end, nothing happened because they, they didn't know what they were doing. And, and uh, my take on it, I remember saying, look, we have so many things we need to do. This is not a priority. Let's, let's drop it. And, and, you know, we've dropped it. So, yeah. It's, it's the, but the typical, as, as we just said, we need to show that we innovate rather than innovating. It's like, there mm. is this kind of, uh, uh, it's in innovation PR. Innovation. So I got paper, two questions. Yeah. yeah. Two questions. And I'm going to take this totally different direction, right? The first is, you know, some of these alternative asset classes that are newly coming online via some of these fintech platforms, mm. which ones would you point towards say, oh, this is really cool and unexpected? Like, what are you looking at today that you were just blown away by how unique it was or what asset it gives you access to? Uh, so, you know, I've studied finance and portfolio management and I like a very diverse, diversified portfolio for the kind of you distribute risk and, and, and you have like nice risk adjusted return. So whatever can give you access to kind of assets that were not liquid before um, or that were not accessible because it, it required too much too much money. So venture capital, for instance, for me, it's great that you can invest in startups from yeah, $10, $20, $20. I think it's, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, obviously, you can invest more, but seeing it, it, gives, it gives another perspective and then other illiquid assets. But on the other side, I think you know cryptocurrencies can be can be interesting as a, as a as a reserve. I mean, if you look for me, I look at at Bitcoin, for instance, as a as a reserve of value, a bit like gold. Um, if you look, there are lots of similarities between gold and and Bitcoin in the sense that the value you give it is on is is what a, everybody else thinks it's worth. Um, and, and I think it's quite interesting. And from, from that perspective, I find it, find it quite, uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's accessing lots of, lots of different things that were before you are the barrier of entry, which was, okay, as I said, you want to invest in real estate, fine, buy a, buy a building, which means you need to put a lot and it's distorting your portfolio is that, Let's say overall, I have $10,000 to invest. Before, if I want a fully diversified portfolio, I can't have real estate because it's too expensive. Like, you know, if I want diversified. Now, literally, I can break down my 10,000 into to so many different asset classes because I can buy ETFs on whatever. 
oh, I want a bit of foil, I want a bit of gold, I want like uh, silver, I want exposure to 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 I don't know, Thailand equity. Yeah, sure, you can do whatever you want. And now you can do with little money, you can do like super complex strategies. Uh, and it wasn't possible before. That, that I find really cool. Well, also because I'm a, I'm a finance nerd, so I'm like, oh yeah, I can can do like crazy. I don't do crazy stuff, but I I do like very detailed detailed exposure on some Asian countries because I can. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll put yeah, a thousand on this ETF on, on uh, literally on Thailand, or then I'll go like a bit of Japan, but Japan like small, like, I don't know small uh, small um, small caps so you can do like very specific things because you had you had an explosion in the in the different different etfs for instance you, if you look at the numbers uh, it, it went nuts it, you went from you can buy the msci world to you can buy like so different so many different flavors in so many different currencies so you can spend literally your life trying to invest in different things, different currencies. And that I find like really, really cool. This, uh, you, know, you, can fi- you can see I'm a finance nurse because I get excited about, about uh, ETFs in different currencies and different like, you know, geographies. So. so I guess, you know, one more, and then I think we have to move to a wrap here is access is one thing, information is another. And so a big part of the fintech emerging sphere is around informing investors appropriately. I think a lot of us might have become more familiar with some of these firms recently, like Maxar that sends all those images from Ukraine. Their business is not to take pictures of tanks in Ukraine. Their business is to take pictures of Walmart parking lots to see how many cars are in it. So you can use that information to trade on Walmart stock. So one of the most undervalued aspects of risk that we're seeing today is climate risk. What firms are you seeing popping up that are kind of playing to that game and helping investors better appropriately manage unknown risks in their portfolios or currently non-valued risks? Very good question around, as you say, the growing importance of ESG and how do you assess correctly what what a company what what an investment means in terms of ESG? I I haven't seen like a lot. I mean, I've seen lots of companies doing different things, um, you know, carbon credits and and like ESG assessments, uh, and I haven't seen like a company coming on top uh, in that in that field. But I, I have what I have seen, uh, like more generally, is how the growing importance of um, what what actually a company is doing, like their business model, not not now, but what what impact there might be. Uh, I I see it a lot on what future regulations might come in. So you see like a company, and you're like, okay, well, yeah. For now, you're not impacted by by climate change. Fine, but you know for sure that there will be. If you look and you're like in ten years, well, okay, your technology is going to be obsolete, or your business model is going to be canned for sure because people are going to be like, okay. I don't want to deal with this company because they're they're you know, I don't know they're destroying the planet. So, but for now, I see it more as a 
uh, as you need you need to kind of you can't I mean, you can quantify it but you need to take a bit a step back and look a bit deeper into the business model um i mean that that's what i see i, I don't see like companies having a, a very systematic way to assess this i mean I, I well to be clear i've seen lots of companies doing it it's there is not a common approach everybody agrees okay this is how we should look at the company and say okay uh, and you have this you have the, the traditional ones like Dow Jones, SP, they try to come up with their own rating because yeah, that's what they do and you know that's what, what they're gonna sell you after. But uh, but I think more and more people look at it and it's very important. You know, you were you Tony, you mentioned te- Tesla, and people get so excited and they're like, Oh yeah, Tesla is the best company because they make electric cars. Actually, when you look at how they make the electric cars, you're like, Yeah, you know, these guys are not so green. But I think it plays much more, and it's going to play like a bigger, bigger role in what companies they pick to invest, what products they buy, what services they, they want, and oh yeah, but do you think about this angle? Is this? Um, but uh, yeah, and generally, what you were saying about financial education, uh, I, I think it's it's a big problem of the internet is that you have all the information you want uh, and all the data you could have. The problem is trying to bring it into something that makes sense, making sure that you're reading the right thing, that it's not distorted. It's, it's, it's a big challenge is that I'm telling you, this is the best company to buy. Why do you trust me? Oh, because I'm an influencer on, on, on Instagram and TikTok uh, and not because you know, like the data I'm using makes sense. So that's also something I find is is quite difficult. Like as an investor to navigate, you're just starting. Who do you need to trust? What information is the right one? How do you look at it? How do you you know make sense of it? Um, I think it's quite it's quite challenging. Some deep stuff. Okay, before we get into the lightning round, uh, how can people reach out to you and connect? I, they can ping me an email at uh, hello at fintechreview.net. You can connect with me on, on LinkedIn. I'm always uh, happy to have a chat. So here's the lightning round. I ask you a question, and Peter asks you a question, and I ask you a question. Those questions you can only answer with one word, and we don't dig into it, and we don't um, expound upon it at all. We just let it sit. Okay? Are you ready? Ready. Ready. What is next in fintech? Embedded finance. Embedded finance. Yeah. Okay. Peter, your turn. Uh, your favorite fintech app you played with recently? Uh, Wise. Finally, what do you think people invest in too much? Cryptocurrencies. Interesting. Coming right for you, Tony. Coming right for you. In this exact moment, you're like, I'm inclined to agree. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we have one more final question. It's the question we ask every guest. This question you can actually expound upon a bit. And it is, what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? So I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Well, super simple. 
this ring because I got I got married uh, six months ago. So this little this little object impacts my life a lot <laughs> in a good way in a good way. But uh, I mean, yeah, if I have to say about like this object, I wear on me. It's non-digital. It means a lot to me, and it impacts my life. Well, congrats so much, Tristan. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. 